Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of the Healthcare Executive Podcast. I am your host, Chris Caraggio, and we are delighted to have Mr. Carson Dye in today. He is our guest. Um, let me just get my glasses on here because I want to read a little bit about Carson before we, um, we, we chat with him. And we're going to go over pretty much three topics with Carson today, talking about leadership in a healthcare environment. The three topics are executive leadership coaching, physician executive partnerships, and recruitment and retention. Before, though, we get to that, and before I introduce Carson, let me tell you a little bit about him. Carson, a fellow, of course, of uh, ACHE. He's the president and CEO of Exceptional Leadership. He combines over 20 years of executive search and consulting with 20 years of executive leadership positions in four hospitals and health systems. Uh, he's been a regular faculty member of the American College of Healthcare Executives since 1987. He teaches in the Board of Governors exam prep course. He currently holds a faculty appointment at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, in their Executive Master of Science in Health Administration program. Also serves as a faculty member of the Governess Institute. And for 20 years, he has taught organizational behavior and leadership at the Ohio State University's uh, MSHA program. And he's also authored 11 books. Did I get to that? Three of them, ACHE Book of the Year winners. Carson, have you done anything else? I do sleep occasionally. <laughs> Carson, thank you so much for being here. Good to be here. You got You got Okay, let's get right into this. Let, let's talk about, let's have our audience best understand the importance of executive leadership coaching and how th- that can benefit um, an executive's career, wh- whether we're talking about uh, a professional career and even in their pers- personal journeys as well. It's a good question. Yes. It, it goes to the foundation of what I call self-con- self-concept, self-awareness. Okay. What do you know about yourself? And to what extent is there truth in what you know about yourself? I see. And truth measured by the perception of others. So executive coaching Oftentimes, the core of what is done goes to enhancing your self-awareness of how others perceive you. And, you know, if people perceive you are a poor listener, I'm sorry. Their perception is more important than reality, and therefore, you're a poor listener. Even if it's not accurate, it's their perception, Exactly. Yes. And so coaching gives you that external voice, and hopefully an effective coach will also garner what I'll call 360-degree input. So an effective coach doesn't just deal with you one-on-one. A highly effective coach reaches out to other people, people who work for you, who work with you to, to your side, your peers, and people for whom you work. So they get input from all 360 degrees, they aggregate that, and then they proceed to help you enhance your self-awareness. And if you think about it, the reality is the higher up people move in organizations, the less likely it is that others will speak to them about their personal aspects. If you stop and think about it, Mm -hmm. typical CEO, typical executive in the C-suite, most conversation takes place 
around organizational parameters of success or failure. House patient satisfaction, house physician engagement, house profitability, how's the budget coming, how's the strategic plan coming. It's really very rare that someone says, you know, Chris, I know you felt good about your presentation at the board meeting last night, but you bored them. You had them almost in tears, and you weren't aware of it. You continued to drone on and on and on, just like I am now. <laughs> so think of it. You climb up the executive ladder, people are less likely to give you that interpersonal input. And why is, is that because it's perceived, okay, if I'm at this the peak, this high level, that it's X's and O's. That's all that matters, right? And, and that's not correct. That's, that's a big part of it, yeah. right. At, early in our careers, oftentimes, uh, I, I went to work for Sister Mary George, and trust me, in my 20s, I got very direct feedback about kinds of presentations I made, the assumptions I made about different things that were happening. She gave me that kind of feedback, but she was the only boss that ever did. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this coaching gives us that neutral outside person who can say to us, now just wait a minute, you're being perceived as a poor listener. Or, wait a minute, that board meeting last night that I sat in on, you could have been a lot more effective. So it, it's so critical for us to get that kind of input today. And that, you know, because I guess the phrase self-awareness is sort of a misnomer because you think, oh, I know myself. I I know the way I'm being. But you need that input, that external input, right, to really, like you said, perception beats reality sometimes, right? You have to validate your self-awareness. Yes. Okay. There. Nice input. Otherwise, you're living in a vacuum. Got it. And if you are all-powerful... Yeah, maybe yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about one of the books you authored, The Healthcare Leader's Guide to Actions, Awareness, and Perception. So tell us, uh, did I get that title right? Yes. Okay, tell us about leadership trends today as opposed to maybe five, ten years ago. The first thing that stands out is what I call the rapidity culture. I don't know whether I invented that or not. It sounds terrific. Well, well, think of it. Today, everything has to be fast quick. We can't, we can't even wait for emails There's no to arrive. Span, right? uh, text me, please. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Um, and a- a- as a result of this rapidity culture, we're oftentimes forced to make decisions without complete information. We're oftentimes forced to make decisions without truly, I'll call it, engaging the whole. And so we just plow on ahead. I think that's one significant difference. I think a second difference is we've grown up for years saying 60, 65% of the population are visual. There are some new studies coming out, some new research that says, first of all, millennials are probably 95% visual. If people can't see it, they're not going to be engaged. And we still continue to stand in front of employees and physicians and others and do these long drawn out PowerPoint presentations that really aren't that visual. TED Talks became popular because they were highly visual. And so that's that's a second thing. The third is people today expect to engage in a dialogue. I call this the contrast between input and involvement. 
I'll go back to Sister Mary George. Okay. <laughs> in, in the early days when we did strategic planning, every three years, we'd invite the medical staff leadership, we had the board in, we had input, we asked the doctors, what do you think about this, what do you think about that, we got input from our board. Then we thanked everyone, particularly the physicians. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Thank you, Dr. Rodriguez. Now go do your thing. Mm -hmm. Go back to your practice. Um, see your patients. Do your good. And we, as executive leaders, administration, we went back and we often adjusted those strategic planning decisions that we made. But we rarely ever went back to those who gave us input. And the reality is we've gone years and years and oftentimes ticked off many of our physicians or made them less engaged. Today, leadership requires involvement, and I'll call that ongoing involvement. So you should always be, if you will, in the room with me while we make those adjustments in strategy. So the, the really well-led organizations today, for example, with physicians, constantly have several physicians at the table on an ongoing basis, not just every three years or every six months to, oh, doctor, give me your input. No, we get doctors involved on an ongoing basis. I see that as a key critical difference in leadership today. As opposed to a decade ago, right? Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, another one of your books, uh, this one was titled uh, Developing Physician Leaders for Successful Clinical Integration. Now, okay, so what uh, in your opinion, what's the difference between developing physician leaders compared to general executive leaderships? Do you do you do that differently? Very differently. Okay. Now, it's good to bring those physician leaders in with non-physician leaders and do some things together. Mm -hmm. But let's be real. First of all, physicians rarely get into their first quote, job until they're in their early 30s. Sure. All the education and the training and the... By the time they're in their early 30s, I've worked with Sister Mary George for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so they get a later start. Second of all, the reality of what they do, uh, some people don't like me to say this, but it's a command and control environment. So if your physician, my physician is treating me, they give orders. They write orders. Yeah. Uh, give him sodium. Give him this for his That's what they're trained to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so in a clinical sense, they live in this hierarchical world where an order is given. Uh, they expect it to be fo followed. And that's not leadership in the management sense of the word. So that's an adjustment for them. So they're coming into leadership positions at a much older age. They're accustomed to that command and control. They're set in their ways, right? Um, Is that a good way to put it? I don't want to say that because... But I did. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did. My work with physician leaders all around the country has shown me they're really still very intellectually curious people. Physicians are scientists at their core, mm -hmm. and scientists are really curious. Why does this work this way? What makes this do that? If I do this, this, and this, what happens? And as scientists, they also look for evidence to drive that decision-making. And as a result, even at an advanced age, if they're willing to step forward and get a little leadership education, they are hungry for it. I see. I, I do a lot of physician leadership academies around the country, and 
here are physicians giving up maybe four hours in the evening, reading books in between on a monthly basis, working on projects, giving lots of time and not expecting to be paid for that. They're hungry. They're intellectually curious. Mm -hmm. And it's so rewarding to work with them. Got it. Got it. Okay. You said it much better than I said it. Okay. Let's talk now recruitment and retention. Let's go there. Um, in your expertise, in your opinion, what are the best resources to retain, recruit and retain strong leaders today in uh, your space? I, I think to begin with, and, and I'm a recruiter and yeah. I love vacancies, but I still believe the best thing to do is to try to fill from within. It's lower risk. It's a person you know versus yeah. a person you don't know. And Quite frankly, in our industry, we've not done much succession planning. We've talked about it here and there, and there are some organizations that have done some of it. But at the end of the day, the real strength for retention is for an organization to be known as one that does a lot of promotion within. There'll be ample opportunities to bring other people in from the outside, but if the core value is we're going to try to develop our our people to move them upward. And the key here is development takes place much more experientially than just learning from someone teaching like me or a book. It's a combination of the two, but until you do it and go through it, so you a lot of that development and a lot of succession planning needs to be targeted at giving people specific experiences and allow them in the safety and the comfort of their own organization where you know them Mm -hmm. to learn those and have those experiences. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's talk now about the choice program for ACHE, which is the new kind of tailored professional development series. Yes. That, that that the organization is promoting. It's that on-site, that on-location right. series. Uh, speaking on that, how how do you work with leaders to tailor to tailor uh, their needs, their 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 learning needs when when you're out there? There there's two primary target audiences that I have traditionally over the years worked with. One would be state or local hospital associations or ACHE chapters. So there's a variety of people coming from different organizations for that choice program, that formerly called on-location program. But then also there are a number of organizations that the single organization contacts and works with ACHE to bring some of those programs just to their organization. So there are differences as a faculty member with those two options. If it's an individual organization, you really want to drill down and find out why is it you selected, for example, my program? What specifically do you want out of it? And oftentimes you want to share uh, the material in advance with the planner, and you may make modifications based upon their organization. If it's an association or a local chapter, you get a broader group of people, and so sometimes you're just saying, um, are you trying to offer Category 1 credit? Are you trying to address a specific need that exists within this state or this region? But increasingly, ACHE has done much more customization of these programs. And frankly, for us as faculty, it makes it a lot more fun uh, because you at least walk in knowing 
you know, I've spent an hour or two or so on the phone with the sponsor. I know why they asked for me, or more importantly, I know why they asked for that content. And in some cases, they've had a chance to take a look at the content, and maybe I've made some changes because they said, we like more of this and less of that. And, and I would imagine because it's, it's maybe more fun, like you put it, yes. the outcomes are better, right? Well, they are. They are. Because then the people attending feel like, Hmm. This was like this you said. Was designed for us. Exactly. It's tailored. That's yes. why they do it. Yes. Right. Right. That, yes. that, that's great. That's great. Can you talk a little bit? And we're we're almost done here, sir. But talk a little bit about when we're when we're when we're focusing on. If you can just drill down a little bit. Let's let's talk about it because one of the four um, uh, expertise topics for you. Uh, pick one of these. Carson, uh, when we're talking about the church, and kind of give us a scenario, if you if you would. Um, large healthcare organization okay. um, called the ACHE folks and said, we want to do clinical leadership development. Okay. And we want to put our chief physician, chief medical officers together with our chief nursing officers. And we'd like to design a program a year long. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to target team growth between those two key individuals at each one of our organizations throughout the country. And will go to a different location so they'll be flying into different places okay so, so that's the scenario that's, that's what, the okay. scenario okay. so uh, what we did was get on the phone with them actually three or four different times over a two or three month period and talk through the specific needs and so those needs that were identified were we need our chief medical officers and our chief nursing officers to be more attached so part of the content of the program needed to involve some discovery of issues between nursing leadership and medical leadership. Some of it needed to be uh, addressed at how they can best team up together on quality, patient safety issues, uh, clinical integration kinds of issues. Once that planning was developed, then we had a kickoff session and actually this organization had two large groups going through together and so we did two separate sessions but part of that opening session was really discovery on the part of us to take them through a half day of identifying issues problems concerns and in some cases speaking to one another mm -hmm. about those issues and concerns so that was a January session. Uh, we had some other on-site sessions through the rest of that year, and then we did some webinars where in between the on-sites every three months, we would get together through a webinar, and you could, see, you could see by name who was on the phone, when they dropped off, when they stayed on, yeah. and uh, had different topics that we built that around. We also had some books that we built around the program itself, and uh, actually, it was really quite a year for those two different sure. groups that went so through it. So you, you just illustrated really drilling down to the topics that are necessary for a specific right. organization or group. Right. That's what choice is. Not, not a canned Yes, program. not a cookie cutter. Right. Got it, right. got it, got it. Okay. Well, Carson, we could speak all day on, on, on you know, many, many topics that uh, you have expertise in, but... Our time is done here for today. Your passion, it's so evident. That's why I really enjoyed speaking with you today for building strong leaders, for solving real problems for organizations. You're having fun doing it, which is great to yes. see. Yes. 
Yes. Um, so we really appreciate you being being on uh, our Healthcare Executives Podcast. Good. Today. It was fun. All right, Thank Carson. You. And again, I'm Chris Caraggio. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Executives Podcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe so you do not miss any future episodes. And we will see you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org.